Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. No, I'm Josh. I made a little slurpy sound there. I don't know if the mic picked that up, but as I was getting ready to say that, I realized that there was coffee in my mustache. And I could feel it with my bottom lip, so I just went to get it real quick, but then it made a sound. So, sorry. Is there a cricket? What does that sound? We have a cricket. Sometimes we have crickets in my basement, which is where all of this magic happens. And they'll just get stuck in here and just chirp. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> this is this is not the 15 minutes that got accidentally deleted. Uh, this is the raw stuff. Uh, this is the not like last week where we had solid gold that just went away into the computer <laughs> ether. This is the air quotes professional Cr- yeah, broadcasting. Crickets and mustache coffee. That's right. Yep. There's a title for you right off the bat. How's it going? I am well. How are you? I'm I'm doing okay. Go ahead and give us the update on the motorcycle. Oh, it totally doesn't work still. <laughs> Because of reasons that are mm, vaguely mm. reasonably apparent to me. Vaguely reasonably apparent. Yeah. Someone was like, oh, did you check this? I'm like, yes, I've checked all of that stuff. And then it's nice that some people are being helpful. Some people are like, well, it either doesn't have fuel or spark or air. I'm like, so it doesn't drive, right? Yeah. yeah that's, like, that's I, the problem. I got that far. But somebody <clears throat> led me down a forum post to where uh, I got the replacement header in. I got all that. I got the entire motorcycle put back together. I rolled it out of the garage into the sun, which it has, hasn't seen since it came off the trailer. And I was real confident. It like gurgled and made some noises and I got real happy. And then it started smoking in weird places. So that made me less happy. And then I went, you know what? Uh, poop on this. Oh, it's raining. It's outside. raining outside now. It's loud, kind of rain. Wow. Anyway, <clears throat> I said poop on it, and I just rolled it back into the shop and just kind of put it away because we've got stuff going on in my shop, and I just decided to clean it up. My mm. my mental state was, if it doesn't work right now, I'm going to pause on this for a while. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, "Well, I don't know what the problem could be," but this one person led me on to this forum post that says there's a there's a disc on the side. That lets you know when the cylinders, ironically, the cylinders are what I am building right now on this Lego motorcycle. Um, it lets you know whether those cylinders, um, what what position in the in the stroke those cylinders are. So you there's a shaft on the top. Man, this is a whole bunch of that's what she said. There's a shaft on the top that you have to rotate. And it lines up with this mark. And that's the top dead center mark. And I did. And someone's like, oh, well, that smoke is not like an electrical fire, which I thought it was. It's like it could be that it's putting out exhaust back through the carburetor where it shouldn't go. Like, if that's the case, then something is off. I'm like, well, I measured it to this line. And somebody sent me this forum post or someone was like, the line was wrong. There's an indicator notch or something somewhere that was off on this person's when someone tried to rebuild their engine. They dug deeper and found that it was off. Hmm. And so everything they had been basing their measurements and the the standards from which you go off of was incorrect so it is possible that it's not top dead center and that's why the timing is off and that's why it's putting out smoke through the carburetor not through the exhaust so i have to take it apart are you still on pause or is that enough no okay no i mean it's good like when i get that motivation i'm not defeated i'm not angry i'm not depressed about it i'm like well okay i had a timeline and now I've reached that deadline. And if it still doesn't work, then it's getting put toward the back burner. Right. So it's still very apparent in the shop. It's still right there. I can't hide the thing. But it's not going to consume my energies because I have to tear it all apart again and take the engine apart again. Yeah. Which I know how to do. I have the tools to do. I still have the motivation to do right now. Yeah, and we're getting ready to, to work on a project at your house, in your shop, and having that not spread out all over the I shop. Had a bunch of junk everywhere. Easier. So. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's not cool that it doesn't work, but it's cool that you at least have a path forward. You're not just like, well, I don't know. Yeah, I was that. That's, and then I went, well, I don't know. I guess it'll just sit there forever. To now, I'm like, oh, well, it'll sit there until mm, maybe the winter instead of forever. Right. But that's where I'm at with that mentally. Uh, thank you to everybody who has reached out and given me some 
some guidance where I didn't have any. I really appreciate it. But I don't know, man. That thing. Thank you to everybody following along with the motorcycle saga. Um, still didn't work. So, yeah. Pause. And, but I'm comfortable with the pause. I'm not giving up. Uh, I did joke in an Instagram story if anybody wants to buy a motorcycle. And some people were like, no, don't give up. And I'm like, yeah, I, I won't. But, I mean, cash money. <laughs> I'm just saying. Somebody wants to buy that thing. And they want to continue it on. Uh, I know how much I would sell it for. Just saying. <laughs> well, what else is going on? Mm, that's the wrong piece. Not a whole lot. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Um, nothing really new. Nothing has really happened. Boop. I mean, I guess that's just the way 2020 is. <laughs> like it's like the same day over and over and again. Yeah, it's going to be September tomorrow. Yeah, that is kind of strange. Which any other year in my life, I could have literally cared less that it's September. Like meh. It's a transition month. It's an in-between. My dad's birthday is in September, but he never really did much for his birthday. Mm. So September, to me, is a, a weird fog anyway. But in 2020, because you blink wrong and a month has passed, it's somehow more meaningful that it's September tomorrow. Is it? Maybe it's just shocking than meaningful. <laughs> Just it's not, like it was shocking when all the other months were, you know, surprisingly uh, thrust upon everybody. Yeah, it, it it's not. It feels even more bland than usual to me. September. Oh yeah. Huh. What do you know? <laughs> I thought it was September already. <laughs> Still feels like March to me, personally. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, nothing has really changed. I haven't really been. You know, doing anything. I've, I've been running, been a, running lot a lot more right? this month. Yeah, I kind of set a goal for myself. I, at the beginning of, I guess at the end of July, I looked back at my kind of running stats because my I keep track of them on my watch and stuff. And I saw that um, in March or February, I started running more intentionally, trying to get back in shape and, you know, just the consistency of it more than anything else. And... It got a lot more consistent. I've been working on my pace, so my pace is faster than it used to be, and I'm really happy about that. But I was looking at the months at a time, and the mileage was almost identical. Within, like, three miles, pretty much, every month. And it was always just short of 70 miles a month. And this is running four days a week, maybe five days a week if I'm motivated. And so... I was thinking for August, it's a little bit longer of a month, so maybe I'll just shoot for 75 miles, just a little bit more, just to have a goal, mm-hmm. just to do a little bit better. And then I started going, and I'm like, yeah, but what if I got 80 miles? That'd be cool. <laughs> just, you know, like I can probably- Since do, I, gone this far. Well, I mean, I you, you can add five miles over a month with basically no effort. It's like- Over you do a month? An, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's you a cool do a little bit, Yeah. So I thought, well- I'll add 10 miles, and that's still not a huge jump, but it does require me to run more than four times a week. And, and I'm I'm working on pace, so I'm not doing long runs. I'm doing trying to be faster. So most of the runs are three miles. Uh, some are four. The longest one of the week is usually five or maybe six. So the only way to up the mileage really is to run more days. So that's what I've been doing. So I've ended up running six days a week or so. And today was the last one of the month, and I got to 81 and a half. hey So <clears throat> that feels really good. I've actually lost some weight. Um, the, I weigh the lowest I've weighed probably since before we had kids. Not, not by much, but, you know, it's definitely down there in the lower numbers than it has been over the past several years. So that's pretty cool. feels good. People um, have noted in the videos that you're all swole. <laughs> well, that's the that's the uh, steroids. It's just <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> the running just keeps it's me skinny. Good old fashioned HGH. Um, yeah, so that's really kind of the thing that I've been doing a lot of. I've been spending, you know, not a whole lot of time every day, but I've been consistently 
running every day. And um, now it feels really weird when I take a day off, when I have a day that I don't run. It just, I feel a little unsettled and like I haven't done my bare minimum. And so what I'm hoping is that this next month, instead of trying to add more mileage, I try to take my base mileage per run up. Hmm. So instead of three being my bare minimum, which it has been for years, I want four to be my bare minimum. And so if that's the only change I make, but I still try to keep the pace, I will automatically add more miles throughout the month, or at least stay at around the same, you know, just... So what I'm trying to do is take a different approach instead of just always going further, running longer, I'm trying to become faster, and then I'm going to increase the mileage a little bit, and then I'm going to try to get faster and then increase a little bit, because I want my baseline better. Yeah. Not just training for a race, put on all the work for the training, and then go back to bare minimum again, so... Which I wonder if uh, they're going to have the race again this October. They haven't announced anything. You figure it would have happened already. Yeah. Uh, I know last year they canceled for some reason. Weather? It was uh, too cold. I don't, I don't know why it was canceled last year. I don't know why they canceled either. But I haven't heard about it this year, so I'm guessing probably not. Uh, I don't really know. So that's been kind of the thing I've been focusing on for the last month. And then we started school. Did we talk about school last time? Briefly. I talked about our kids, I think, doing school i think maybe it was the first day of school last time we recorded i don't remember for us but that's going pretty well considering um what's really interesting my youngest is in second grade and it's interesting that (laughs) there's no other parent upstairs and so there's going to be a lot of noise um it's interesting to see a second grader you know, they're focusing right now on teaching them how to use the computer. So they, they've used Chromebooks before, but now our school system gave everybody a Chromebook to take home <clears throat> because everybody's remote for the first three weeks and then they're going to do like a split thing. But, you know, young kids who don't have the, a lot of experience, they're having to teach them how to do basic stuff, not necessarily how to click the mouse and type, but how to right click, how to copy and paste, things that They've not had to do yet, which, you know, we take for granted because we learned it whenever ago. These kids are thrust into, like, they have to do their work all day, every day on this thing that they don't really have the mechanics for yet. So that's been kind of interesting to see how they're going about teaching these young kids just how to use the machine, much less do the work that they have to do. Um, And it's also uh, the beginning of the year, so they're... And they don't have the classroom experimentation to get a, a picture of each one of these kids. So they're doing a lot of like Google Meet stuff where they ask a question, they get everybody to answer it. Uh, they're sending out these like tests that are not for grading. They're more of just kind of a, an assessment mm-hmm. thing. And so that's weird because we have all of our kids are taking these tests and they're like, I did really bad on that thing. Like really bad. I got like four out of 15. And mm. And that, which is not typical for our kids. And so we're like, what, what's going on? You know, why, why is that? And they're like, it was a bunch of words I've never seen before. (laughs) So they're intentionally giving them stuff that they, you know, they're just trying to gauge where they're at on all these different subjects. So it's weird from that perspective because they're used to just jumping right in and getting a lesson, uh, taking a test or a quiz or writing a report or whatever. And right now they're in the assessment phase. So different for them but they all seem to be doing okay with it uh they seem to be adjusting to the the online google meetingness of it pretty well considering have your kids reached a stage in their education where you don't know what they're doing or you just don't remember what they're doing whoa um I don't... And they're like, oh, I need help. And you're like, oh, crap, I don't know how to do this. Well, there's been a little bit of math like that that I've had to understand how they want it done more than... Like, I know how I would do it, but if I start to explain that to the kids, they're, they're like, no, that's not how we do it. Mm-hmm. So rather than teaching them something opposing to what the teacher's teaching, it takes me a while to learn. But honestly, the majority of... The kids work. They are responsible for themselves, and they don't ask for help yet. Um, and the stuff that is, you know, if they ask for help, it's like spelling words and things that are pretty easy to accomplish. But we're not really to the complex stuff. I think now that we have we have two in middle school, so now that we get into 
the second half or the you know later parts of middle school and early high school, that's when stuff will start showing up and they'll be like, I don't remember the yeah. that part of this math type or I never took calculus, so I don't really know or whatever. Uh, but we're not there yet, luckily. <clears throat> my throat. So um, my throat is a little messed up because of milkshakes. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, anybody who's watching the video, check out our oh, shirts. Oh, yeah. Look, we have so we shirts. have milkshakes today because <laughs> I came to work wearing the line art. I think that's what this one's called on yeah, the website. So. It's I like to make stuff merch. You can get it on the website. I like to make stuff.com slash shop. Uh, and then Anthony walked in the door. Now, ha, 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 it's like we're in middle school and like we're those people. And everybody goes, oh, did you call the night before? <laughs> And I'm like, if Bob walks down the stairs and he's wearing a shirt, then I'm going to buy milkshakes. And he did. <laughs> I think we all have like six shirts on rotation. Uh, yeah. And Bob has two of these, so he statistically has higher likelihood of wearing it than us. So yep. we won't get milkshakes today because we're all dressed the same. We came which, in with work which, costumes. Which is terrible for my throat. Just in general, it messes. It sounds all like raspy and like this. throaty. <clears throat> So anytime I have to record something to camera, you know, milkshakes are a bad idea. And we decided to do a podcast today, so that's cool. Oh, you had a bunch of voiceover to do today, too. You haven't done it in a while. Yeah. How'd that feel? Uh, that was weird, especially because it wasn't things that I would typically say. They weren't my lines. They we were just haven't told people. Lines. I guess we can't really mm, nah. tell people yet why. There's a thing that we're doing that is atypical, and that's <laughs> as far as we can go. <laughs> the end. Haha. <laughs> Intrigue. Uh, but atypical in a way, I don't know. Maybe we should, yeah, let's just not talk about it. Anyway. There's baseball teams and stuff. Is that what you guys, <laughs> stupid metaphor you guys No, Jimmy's, Jimmy's baseball analogy is strictly for TV. Um, yeah. So, that's, that's where I'm at with, uh, life and stuff and stuff. So, you had a, a thing you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Kind of. No, did I make that up? No, I did. Oh, that's what it was. Um, my wife and I, we go through our calendar every week just so we can kind of, I know what she's doing. She knows what I'm doing. We can set expectations properly. And we started, we realized it was September. And we're like, oh man, it's going to be like Thanksgiving soon. And usually we would go down to, to Florida where we're both from and go see like all of our family her side, or her parents are divorced, so her mom's side, her dad's side, and then my dad. Um, are like, oh man, we have to, we have to think about this now. It's not just like, oh, we'll leave on a Monday, we'll hang out, and we'll come back. Like, we have to deal with COVID precautions. We have mm-hmm. to deal with the idea of possibly um, quarantining. Like, it's a little bit of hopefulness like maybe there will be a downward trend which i haven't seen any kind of data because the data collection process has been ridiculously messed up so it's kind of going out in the blind yeah so we're trying to plan that far out but not being able to plan that far out and we're talking about november which is really not that far away it's not but like (laughs) think about when our plans got messed up in march yeah we're still having to still having to deal with this in, in November time. So I was trying to think of like if we did if we did it safely, how, what would that look like? Where would we go? Who would we interact with? How would that work out practically? And I know that you guys go down to see Jenny's family in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how you guys would deal with this. Well, so I am just... I guess overly, overly cautious. I don't, I don't feel like it's over the top, but I could see how it would be seen that way. Um, well, I think in your situation, I don't think anything is over the top because I think that anybody who could say that you're over the top is basing that on theoretical secondhand information when mm-hmm. you guys have had to deal with actual positive COVID tests. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think anybody is allowed to give you grief for your mitigation procedures. Well, but it, that's me. Yeah, but I mean, even like, um, well, whatever. Okay, I th- I feel like my initial reaction to pretty much every potential situation is no. <laughs> Just no. Because in my mind, everything can wait. 
being with friends, being with family, being in the places that we want to be, going to the beach, going to the mountains, going to the things that we want to do, it'll all be there, probably. I mean, who knows? Don't but, test this 2020. But, like, it, in my mind, like, it just, everything should just be put on hold. For me, I'm not talking about the world at large, but in, anything that I have the control over to say, like, is this worth the risk? My answer is going to be no. People are not worth the risk. The people that I know, the people that I don't know, I mean, I guess they're, yeah, I don't know if I said that correctly, but the people are are, are way more valuable um, than whatever we would get out of going to that thing or doing that thing or the time we would have on the beach. It may be great, and there may be a 99% chance that everything is going to be just fine. But, like, personally, I just don't feel motivated to do a thing that makes me happy at the potential risk of putting somebody else in danger. Oh, so it's not that the people that you would go see are not worthy of being seen as a risk. It's you don't want them to potentially, or the, the people involved to get sick. It's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. for them, not because of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not that like the people are not worth seeing. It's not that at all. It's like the, the enjoyment that I would get out of going to see somebody is not more valuable than the people that I would go see. And so in my mind, I would rather just put it off. Like, we can go do Thanksgiving in February or whatever the timeline turns out to be that, you know what I mean? Like 2020, don't make us do Thanksgiving <laughs> in February. That thing doesn't, whatever the thing is, the vacation or the meeting or the whatever, it's just not a big enough priority for me uh, to go ahead of of the risk that could come along with it. And that's for my family and for the people we would be in, in contact with. Sorry, I'm reaching to get this thing. That's for the people that I would come back and be in contact with. It just, I don't know. And I know that sounds over the top to a lot of people. And I guess that's why I'm saying uh, it sounds, you know, I could see how that would be too much for a lot of people's perspective. But... Uh, as this whole quarantine thing has been going on this whole year, I've seen a lot of people just like, oh, I'm just so tired of this. I just want to go to the beach. I just want to have this one thing for me. Nothing wrong with that at all, except the risk that goes with it. For me, the beach will never fulfill me enough <laughs> in any way whatsoever, or, but fill in the, the variable with whatever my favorite thing is or whatever your favorite thing is. That will never be important enough uh, to put people at risk. So, in my mind, all of the things can wait. Now, on the flip side of that, Jenny desperately misses home. She misses her family. She's not seen any of her family in a year, probably. More than a mm -hmm. year. Um, because, you know, we went down last summer and then didn't get to go down uh, in the fall. Or I guess we saw them around Christmas time. Because we went to Disney World and stuff. So it's still been a long time. And it's going to be a long time before we're comfortable going down there. And that's a bummer. But like, I don't know. My approach is just like, it can wait. That's me. What are you guys thinking about doing now? Well, we would normally go see my dad. Uh, and since my mom passed away, it's just my dad at the house by himself. Um He's a defense contractor, so he has to wear a mask in the government buildings at all times, and he doesn't really do anything else. And so I, I miss my dad, and I want to go see him. Um, my sister would come up from Gainesville. My brother, who's in the Navy, was talk, thinking about coming with uh, my niece and nephew and his wife. And, then, and I, I spoke to them. I spoke to my brother and his family. And we talked about, like, going scuba diving and... Like, they... I, I feel that our two families are on very similar pages. Uh, my wife's extended family, the people I think I've talked about on the show that I don't want to go hang out with just because I don't have a lot in common with. Um, I'm, I, I think we, I'm going to include my wife in it. I think we are being uh, a little prejudiced toward her family, but hmm. it's not without merit. Okay. That... We don't think that they care, like at all. 
Yeah. Like, I don't want to go walk into Walmart. I think Walmart, in my mind, is just like a... It's a place that... The Petri dish. Yeah. Whether you, There could be hazmat-ridden cleaning crews cleaning Walmart 24 hours a day. Walmart has that in my mind. And that's not fair to Walmart. And I'm pretty sure it's not fair to, to my wife's extended family. But then we both looked at each other and went, like, well... We would be ignoring everything that we know about them. Hmm. And so, and the, the house that we would normally go to is really small. And it's their people are touchy and huggy and clingy and smoky and they're sitting around. And it's like, that is a risk. That's one of those, like, that's not a, a risk that is necessary. Yeah. Right now. I love those people. <clears throat> but my love for them doesn't diminish just because I'm not at their house. Yeah. And my love doesn't swell for them just because I'm sitting at their house. And so if we, we went down the list of like the 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 tent pole uh, activities that when we would go home to Florida, like what we would go do, who we would go see, how that day usually plays out. And it was like, we would pretty much hang out with my dad. Hmm. Like, I don't know how many people would make the cut. And that sounds really terrible. And we acknowledge to ourselves that, like, man, that sounds really judgy and it sounds really terrible. And we haven't spoken to every single person who would theoretically be at these events and ask them their thoughts on coronavirus and how they've taken measures lately to protect themselves and those around you. In, you know, 10 words or less, what are your thoughts on coronavirus, please? And then weigh their answers against some, some weird thing that I have. And so part of me is like, yes... Uh, we can go. My wife and my kids just went down to Florida to go see her dad when her grandmother passed away. They came back. They got tested. They're all negative. And I had no fear that they would have been positive based on how they conducted themselves, what they did while they were traveling, what they did while they were together. I was very comforted by how they acted as a whole. And I've always talked about like our, our little force field bubble. I feel like if we were to go to out of the three locations that we normally go, one and a half of them would just be people with like bubble popping suits on. <laughs> like Edward Scissorhands. We would just go hang out with him all day. And that raises a bunch of, of flags in my head to go, that is an unnecessary risk. To where this other person, like my dad, that in my mind is not a risk at all. Yeah. And so to go like, okay, we're not going would be sacrificing a really big thing that's important to me that I know is important to my wife. Like if she were to go see those people rather than my sticky, touchy kids, like that could be a consolation. Right. I see what you mean. And so I don't want to, was it like throw out the baby with the bathwater <clears throat> kind of thing? Mm hmm But at the same time, I, I have this weird conviction of like, am I being prejudiced toward people because of how I feel about them or the decisions that they've made or the things that that are different about us, how I, the things I perceive that are different about us. Therefore we must be different on this thing too, which could not be true. Right. But I'm judging them <clears throat> and I feel bad about that. But at the same time, like historically, uh, it, it's not without merit. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if there's a difference and I don't know this, um, but I wonder if there's a difference between the hmm. – it is prejudice either way. That is, having a preconceived idea about a person. We do that all the time to each other, you know, based on everything that we see about people. But I wonder if there's a difference between the, um, like <clears> – <throat> This person looks a certain way, lives in a certain place, uh, is from this certain country, or wears these certain things, or whatever. And so I'm going to assume about them. That's one thing. There's another thing to say, I have spent time with these people, this person. I know their behavioral traits. I know the things that they believe in. I know the choices that they've made. And I'm now going to make decisions based on their past, which I think is what you're saying. Yep. So I don't know that that's prejudice. It is technically because you are judging someone. Yeah, I'm judging them before past. I have all of the all of the information. information. But you're making a an, an assumption based on some. It's my data. hypothesis. I'm right. making an educated guess, but then 
But it's based on something, and I think that's the important thing. Yes. It's, it's based on some sort of a thing that has been tangible in your past. So if anything... But I am not giving them the ability <clears throat> to correct my assumption. Right. And I think that's that's my fault, or our fault. I'm including my wife in this, because we talked about it together. Right. So it's either, like, we need to have an uncomfortable conversation. Well, maybe. Potentially. Where, where I was going with this was that Sorry. if you... If you separate those out as two separate things, one is a decision make based on data, one is another an assumption based on uh, similar people, which is not what you're doing. If you're saying, who do I give this money to? That has a different implication. If it's, which one of these two groups of people do I take my kids to and potentially infect everybody with a disease that can have disastrous consequences? I think you're validated a little bit in saying, well, these people I have some data about, and so I'm going to make a wise choice, as wise as I think I can make, based on the data. Not because of the color of their skin, not because of the clothes that they wear, not because of where they're from, but because I know them by name and I know what they've done in the past. So I don't think those are exactly the same thing. Because the consequence that you're potentially going into is much greater. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I do. <clears throat> Part of it is Excuse where me. they live. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> okay, well, there Real goes talk. that. Real talk time. <laughs> um, I'm from Florida. We can say that about each other. <laughs> yeah. So that is tough, though. I mean, it, it is. And I know that, like, her family, um, when we came back from Belgium, we moved to Alabama, and we were an hour, maybe an hour. From her grandmother and all her aunts and like the the, the hens, the, they all get together and they do the, you know they do the thing. And I got back. I'm like, hey, we are back in America. We have spent all of this money every single year from either all the way out in Washington or all the way in Europe, like to come see you to sit awkwardly on your couch while other people watch the parade and spend lovingly time together. But like, can you guys can you guys come to our house, please, once? And they were like, no, we don't do that. We go to to grandma's house. Like, that's what we do. And it was like such an offensive thing to like break tradition. Yeah. For in my mind, like you didn't even consider it like that kind of hurt. And so in this thing, I feel like, well, I could have a conversation with a logical person. I feel like that is kind of not that they're illogical, but it would be kind of skewed. That they would be upset that we would even think about breaking tradition or yeah. looking at them in some kind of way that, and that is not just open and accepting and loving regardless because we're family and just like, why do you even care? Mm-hmm. Why is that a thing? Because, again, because of the history, like, they're kind of set in their ways. And so then if we go down there and, like, just my wife goes... Because this happened in the past where I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go because I'm a grown up. They're like, well, what am I going to tell people? I'm like, tell them I didn't want to go. Yeah. Like, that's it. They can fill in the blank all they want to. They can they can think I'm mean. You know, I had, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the potty. I don't care. Make up something. <laughs> I don't want to go. And so I feel like if she went by herself, she would be put in that same awkward situation. Yeah. And... I don't know. It's well, like we're, we're going to be down there, so people are going to know we're there, but we're not coming. And then it's like, oh, somebody's going to feel slighted. And then I want to stand up and just like get a megaphone. And go like, these are all of the reasons my kids are not coming to your house. I still love you because we're family and family is important. But as family, you should be able to understand my point of view. And they should. That is theoretically, it is a two way street, but, and you also have to give them the opportunity to, to have that perspective. So I would say that if that's the choice, then you should make a really clear look. It's not you. It's the world. It's 2020. And based on that, but, but it is, it's not, it's not wholly them. It's not that you guys are terrible and I don't want to be with you. It's not that at all. It's, there's a bunch of situations that are only really happening right now. And my priority as a father, as a husband, is my wife and my kids above yeah. all else. Not making you feel better because I went Exactly. And I mean, that's my approach to this whole thing. I hate it that people feel like I'm judging them because I don't want to go do things with them. That's not my intent. But like, 
They are not my priority. Jenny and the kids, that's my priori priority above everything else. And, I mean, that's what we were talking about a few weeks ago is that the, there's this weird assumption of guilt around all these conversations that just because I don't want to go do a thing, not me, but just because you don't want to go do a thing, that means you're passing judgment on the other person. And that's just not the case, but it's going to feel that way right now mm -hmm. regardless. And I guess the only way we can get around that is just to be really clear about things and, you know, hope for the best. Hope for that people... Uh, right now have a different understanding of the way stuff is working, you know? Maybe those people who normally wouldn't be might be more sympathetic to the the situation of the world and everybody's decision-making right now, you know? But you won't know that until you, like, lay it out for them, I guess, and see how they respond. It's yeah. weird, though. And it's uncomfortable. And it's going to be uncomfortable <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, and I don't know if people out <clears throat> listening to this have, have thought about this, or I'm sure that other people have had family stuff go on where they've had to make the decision to spend time with extended family or not. And uh, it just kind of caught me yesterday when we were talking, my wife and I were talking about this. I'm like, oh man, Thanksgiving is coming up. And that's usually the time whenever we go and see everybody. It's not to like, oh, we go and make the rounds. And so it's it's easier to say no just because it's like we go down and kind of, Sweep through family and then come back up here. Like, I legitimately want to go see these people in certain conditions. Yeah. I don't want to be in that small house with all of those people with no agenda. Like, it's, it, the agenda is like spending time together. Like, okay, I, I love you. But we're not like doing anything to on the risk reward yep. scale. Yep. Like, your whole goal is to sit close and talk at me like that's not a good idea right now <laughs> so if we were to do something more active or outdoors or distant or whatever like that's yeah, a horse of a different color but you just want to sit down and gab well maybe maybe that's the play maybe that's the look we're worried about this situation and if we come down and spend time with you here are the rules and yeah. if that's not something you're cool with, I totally get it. We just, we'll skip this year. We're giving you an opportunity to be with us. And the rule, the way that we're going to make that work is to be outside, is to be in whatever situation you want to lay out for them. That way you're not saying no because of who you are. You're saying, we want you, we want to be with you, but the conditions have to be this or we'll just wait and do it next year. Yeah. That might work. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's then weird. we looked at like Fair our weird. timeline and in that timeline of if we drove down here, we could spend this day with this person, this day with this person and hit all those things. Like if, if we're not including all of those events, we don't need to go down that long. Oh, right. Because like what else would we do? Like we can't go out and do the fun things that we would normally do. Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Yeah. I was like, so then the kids are just like trapped in the house. And sitting in the car for a really long time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's not fair to them. Like, that's really frustrating for everybody involved. Just to be in the house, bored down there, maybe surrounded by people that you love. But, I mean, that people that you love can only go so far when you're a little kid and you're bored. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to do about travel or when that's going to happen for us. Um, I think for us, we're going to have to figure it out as well. Um and, and I think I would feel comfortable, like you're talking about with your dad, where you know you know his pattern, you know how connected he is to everybody. And with Jenny's family, it's like there's a billion of them. Like she <laughs> – there's, there's so many of them. Even if they were all doing the right thing, it's still just like – Statistically, your chances are higher just because of the magnitude. so many The people. sample size is larger. Because like, you know, her parents got divorced when she was young. Uh, her dad remarried – uh, they both remarried, but her dad remarried to a woman who had like four kids. Mm -hmm. Some of them have grandkids now, and some of them have all of them have multiple kids. So there's just like four generations of people who are all really active and all in the same house all the time. Um, and so going down into that, not having anything to do with the personalities or the people or anything, it's just like that's a big thing that I'm just really uncomfortable with. But eventually, like she needs to go see her family. It's I can't 
I can't, not, not that I'm trying to stop that, but I, there will come a point when the shift is more about her happiness or her okayness or something, and we have to figure out a way to make it work. And it's, it's tough with, you know, having a business, uh, coordinating, you know, time off is, is one thing, but then also having to turn, when you come back, having to quarantine for a certain amount of time. Uh, so if the testing continues to get faster, maybe that will be less of an issue for all of us because you, you'll know that you're okay yep. faster, but still, it's just a lot to figure out. And man, I mean, travel for business is just gone. I was yeah. talking to somebody the other day, uh, another creator, and we were just like, man, it would be really nice to hang out again. Uh, these two events we were looking forward to, we didn't get to hang out. And he was like, yeah, when do you think the next one's going to be? And I'm like, I have no idea. Because even if they happen, I don't know that I'll go <laughs> for a while. Hmm. So, you know... The personal travel is one thing, the business travel, which is not really a huge deal because it doesn't financially do anything for us. It's more of just like hanging out with people. But that feels even further away. That feels just... Which is ironic because this was the year they were like, okay, yeah, we are branching out. We are going to go see people. We're going to do collaborations. It's happening. And then it didn't. And we even started some of them and they're just like sitting here waiting. Oh, yeah. Y'all can't see. <laughs> It's a thing right there. That's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And it just keeps sitting there. All right. Well, let's switch gears. Yeah. Uh, how long are we, we going? 48 minutes? Did you have some pros and cons that you found? Yeah. Somebody sent me some on Twitter. Let's do that. Uh, I was asked on Twitter by this person, if we only accept pros and cons from people in the Maker Alliance, that is not the case. They're uh, just the people that we actively ask. And they have yeah, a form that they Yeah. Can they're do. the fastest, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have a private Discord server, and at any given moment, we can just hop on there and go, hey, people, we need a thing, and then we get a lot of responses. Yeah. If you're interested, by the way, Maker Alliance uh, Discord is actually really cool. A lot of awesome people. It is. You get access to the I Like to Make <clears throat> Stuff Minecraft server. Mm-hmm. Depending on the tier, you get the monthly um, Hangout, which is in two... No, it's in... It's the second Tuesday second of Tuesday. every month. What day is now? I don't know. Today's the last Monday. day of the month. So it's next week. Because we, yeah, we tomorrow will be the first Tuesday. Oh, man. It's like algebra. <laughs> no, let's... When is Passover? <laughs> okay. So this is from Tim McCarty. Thank you, Tim. First one is Erector Sets. Pro. Yeah, I'm pro Erector Sets. I guess the only thing that you could say, con about Erector Sets is overly complex potentially overly complex for what you would want to build out of them you know what i mean yeah like making some basic things out of a director set can be kind of difficult just because they're not as like snappable as you know my problem with the director sets were the scale being a, hmm. a lego kid like my foundation <clears throat> piece was about a centimeter so to like build something at scale that worked out of an director set you had to go bigger Hmm. Because there were a lot of like longer, flatter pieces. We had these toys growing up, and they weren't <clears throat> they weren't erector sets, but they felt like that. They were these long, flat bars, but they were plastic. They had holes along them, and there was a rivet gun with these rubber Ooh. rivets, and so you could take them in and out, so you could reuse them. Oh, that's cool. But there was this gray rivet gun about this big, and it had a big like paddle squeeze thing, and so you would stick this little rivet piece on the end of it. Then you would squeeze the paddle and it would stretch. Let's see, how did it work? It would grab the collar of the rivet, stretch it out so it got thinner. You would stick it in the hole and then you'd release the paddle and it would expand in the hole. Like a Clico. I don't know what that is. Kind of. Clicos are cool. It was a really cool tool. If anybody knows, or toy, if anybody knows what that was called, let me know because hmm. it was fun. It was a lot of flat shapes though. It was kind of like a rector where it. You know, there were some like 90 degree corner brackets. And so you were really building a frame of something. So you're doing than, like sheet metal work. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Online classes for adults slash kids. Well, we have an online course. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Man. Which if you haven't checked out, not even purchased, just checking out the Fusion 360 for Makers course that we have. 
Uh, it's pretty great. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Tyler Bell, who makes really fun contraptions, has been using it, putting a lot of stuff on Instagram stories. It's been really encouraging watching people yeah. show off the things that they have made when they couldn't make anything. That was really cool. And I know Tyler had some fusion experience before that, but seeing him talk about how how much differently he's modeling now after taking the class, like he got a different grasp of it, and that felt really awesome because he does make really awesome stuff, and mm -hmm. I would have not expected him to have needed the class or gotten as much out of it as it seems like he did. So that was really cool. Yeah. And encouraging. Go check out Tyler Bell. Yeah. He makes fun stuff. But outside of our class, I think online courses, um, whether it's through a service, you know, where you get all the courses you want for free or dedicated from a certain creator, I think it's awesome. Because the amount of information that you typically get in those things versus the cost, you compare that to uh, like a college course, it is dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of like individual attention and focus you get versus a classroom of whatever, you know, 30 kids, 30 adults or whatever, and probably the quality of education as well. It's just, it's totally worth it, even if you have to pay for them, you know, one at a time. I know how to solve a Rubik's Cube because of an online course. Uh, because of where we lived, there weren't any schools around, so I had to get my master's degree online. Hmm. And I had mixed feeling about it, but I mean, it's the, the workload was there. It's just not the, the venue that I would have preferred. Right. But it's really similar, like looking at online courses and looking at actual online collegiate courses. So to justify one as being like an accreditation worthy certificate bearing, like here you go, you can now do a cap and gown style like bestowment, or you can get on Skillshare. And mm -hmm. learn how to do something. Yeah. You could do, I mean, graphic design. Like, the amount of stuff that you can do in an, a regular online course that not only us, but, like, anybody offers is right now on par with, like, collegiate offerings. Mm -hmm. You can get the same amount of stuff. And, honestly, you can probably get it a lot faster. And you can get it a lot more up-to-date than you can because it doesn't have to go through the the approval process of a, a set of academic directors. And... Granted, you could be getting less than seller information, but you yeah. could also be getting far more cutting edge information a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's part of the the whole thing. Even if the information that you get is not as complete or thorough as it would be in a you know like a a college course where there's been a whole accreditation process and a board review board and stuff, it's you have the possibility to constantly get updated information, uh, corrected information current information all the time because most of those courses will be updated and if they're not updated there's going to be somebody else that's going to create a new course that has the corrected information because yeah, they're frustrated that it wasn't updated yeah so i mean it's a there's a much higher like flow rate of knowledge mm -hmm. in that stuff than there is i think in just traditional here's your you know your path to get your degree here's the bare minimum or here's the required or whatever i think the kind of free market of education is more uh, alive, more vibrant, I think. And doing uh, like actual academic learning online, <laughs> there is a there's a group work element to it that may or may not be beneficial for what your particular goals are. Hmm. Um, there was a lot of that that I found really frustrating. Um, I had to wait on other people for information or I couldn't get work done. I couldn't invest in myself and my own timeline. Because I had to wait on other people. Yeah. Well, so not just... It's right there. Yeah. He dropped a piece. Not just the instructor, like, metering out work, but, like, my other classmates that I happen to be in a group project with. So if I wanted to learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube, I, theoretically, through the university, would have to solve the daisy. And then next week, I'll show you how to do the next thing. And I'm like, ah, I, I want to keep going. Yeah. Like, don't hinder my excitement for something. Let me keep going and let me... Go as fast as I want to go. Hmm. So I like online courses for that reason. Yeah. Uh, the Olympics. So my problem with the Olympics is about after the Olympics. Mm. So like you see these people who, that is crazy. Oh, I thought that was one piece. These shocks. I thought, sorry, 
the motorcycle bob was on a roll and it's all really fun Lego it looked piece. like that was one piece oh. with like two alternating yeah. shocks anyway um so my problem with that is you see these people who spend their entire lives becoming good at something so good that they are at the world class level they're competing against people from around the world to be the best and the best of the best of the best and then they do it and then they win or they lose but let's go with the people that win they win then what they teach other people how to win or they talk about how they won it just feels like they i don't know i don't know what the next step should be but it's like these people have worked so hard and they get the gold medal but the medal doesn't do anything for you it's not like it comes with like a box of money it's just a does it i don't think it does it's just a medal and so i wonder what these people you get to that level and then you win and there's nothing past it so there's no like um I don't know. I've just never really understood like why you would go your entire life all the way down that path to get to that thing when you can see the end of it. You get a gold, even if you get like a gold multiple years in a row, then what? I mean, okay, so in the United States, I just looked this up. Okay. The US Olympic Committee awards $25,000 for gold medals. Oh. $15,000 for silver, $10,000 for bronze. And that's not all. The value of the gold medal is $564. Silver is worth about $305. So, <laughs> so if you're you in a tight spot, if you need to pawn you it. just smelt that bad boy down. I had no idea. I, I assumed that there was no money involved. But that's that's within our country. That's our country paying that off, not yeah. that, the that's Olympic Committee. Right. That's the U.S. Olympic Committee, huh. not the IOC. I don't know if they do it elsewhere. Well, that's new to me. So. I think my beef with the Olympics, I mean, I, I'm not against them. No, me neither. As a, like, as a spectator pro. Sure. I thought you were going with like the infrastructure, like when the Olympics are over. I think that's a big problem. The as amount a, of money that a country <laughs> spent, the infrastructure that has to be in place for them to even be considered. Like it is the, uh, the amount of political and economic and just structural change all these places have to go through to prepare for a month's worth of work. And then everybody leaves a lot of these places are sitting dormant because it costs so much money just to hire like security for the, was it the, the bird's nest in China? Like nothing happens there because it's so big. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful that no one can afford to have an event there. And so it's these technological marvels or these architectural, like just beautiful things that seem like a waste. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a way to make a biodegradable stadium. <laughs> That would be awesome. But I know in England, like they, when the Olympics were in London, they did everything on the East End. And uh, I got to go to London a couple times while the Olympics were being prepared. And like we did a thing with the hmm. army. That's cool. And so we got to go to like the apartments that they were building. And that became just apartment buildings or some became low income apartments or how like housing for people hmm. in, in the city. I know in Atlanta, the Olympic stadium that they built became a the new stadium for the baseball team that just happened to be there. And then they tore it down and made another one. So to be able to repurpose those, those events, it seems good. Yeah. And to think like the Olympics were in, Oh, I stayed. Dang. I just remembered this. The apartments that I lived in, in college in Orlando were built for the Olympics in Atlanta because the soccer. Yeah. Most of the soccer events for the summer, summer Olympics in Atlanta were held in Orlando. Mm. And so my apartment building, I remember there's a big plaque on the wall, were built as Olympic housing. So if you have a plan afterward for these massive venues or for the infrastructure to house all the people, then it could bring economic viability for the, the country after the fact. Right. Hooray. <clears throat> but the real thing I have with it is, let's say Michael Phelps, right? The winningest Olympian of all times. He's a swimmer. Granted, there's a... You have a to train for a freestyle is far different than training for the butterfly. Uh, I completely get that. But, like, you're swimming. And you're <laughs> swimming fast that way. Yep. If you are if you play basketball, you have one chance. It's not like, oh, there's the free throw competition or the slam dunk competition. Like, you, you play yeah, a, a series of the same game. And so I think it's just, like, he could be the winningest athlete and like congratulations dude i couldn't do that this is not me throwing shade on somebody it's 
but I mean, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. But in a different way. Had a lot of chances to get to metal. Yeah. Yeah. You come out of the pool. You can't come off the basketball court with the same amount of gold medals as you came out of the pool with. That's true. There's yeah. a lot of individual skill that can go into a lot of different sports. Like the decathlon or the pentathlon or whatever. There's like 10 events. You win one medal. Yeah, that's true. That's messed up in my mind. And so maybe it, like Mr. and Mrs. Phelps are like, you're going to be good at the swimming. He's like, no, but I like to go cross-country skiing. You're like, no, poo-poo on that. That's only one chance. You're yeah. going to win 50. We're working the odds here. Yeah, I mean, and again, that could just be a really smart move on their part, but it seems lopsided to me. Yeah, I never really thought about that, but I guess that's true. I wonder, um, there's probably nothing else like, I guess gymnastics might be like that. Yeah, the floor routine, the balance beam, yeah. the thing. Like, I, they could all be under the same roof, but like that seems like a very separate thing to me. The girl with the ribbon. Yeah. I'm not throwing shade on the girl with the ribbon. Well, I guess, so one difference could be that, you know, things like basketball are team sports. Maybe there's a difference there where there, there's an assumption that, like, you're, rather than being an individual basketball player, the team is winning the medal, obviously, and so you're a part of the team, mm-hmm. versus someone who's doing an individual sport where uh, instead of there being six people on the floor all trying to get the same goal, uh, same medal together, you're one person who's trying to get as many medals as you can get. You know, yep. see what I mean? But then there's got to be some individual events as well where there's one shot. There's got to be. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Curling or whatever. Shooting. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> the badminton. Well, I guess that's that was, a bear. That anyway, there's got to be other ones where you're working it by yourself, but it's still one medal, like maximum one medal. So, yeah, that is weird. I've never really considered that about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What Let's do you know? All right. Let's see here. Which do you like better, winter or summer Olympics? Hmm. I never know when they're supposed to be on. So it's like, oh, the Olympics are on. You're like, is it cold outside or is it not? Yeah. Yeah. I think I like winter better. I think this may be extremely un-American, but the World Cup is so much better than any of the Olympics. One sport, everybody in the world, hooray World Cup, all day. Uh, Drive-in movie theaters. Awesome. Concur. When's the last time you went to a drive-in movie theater? Uh, probably 1982. Wow. Something like that. No, no, no. That's not true. I went on my uh, honeymoon. We went to the North Georgia Mountains. We got this little cabin. And we were like, I think it was the first night we were there. We were like, okay, we got to go find some food. There's got to be some place to eat in these mountains. And so we went driving around and we found this little burger type place next to a drive-in on top of a mountain. And they were playing a double, they were playing double Jeopardy. With Ashley Judd and another movie. So it was like a double showing and one of them was called Double Jeopardy. And so we watched that, I guess. That Most the of them have double, double viewings, which I think is fun. Hmm. I saw the newest, the first of the newest Superman, the Henry Cavill Superman I saw at a drive-in. Really? Yeah. Wow. They had one in Dothan, Alabama, near where we used to live. And I remember I took my oldest son and we were in the Jeep. And we just like laid out a bunch of pillows and stuff. And I like opened up the lift gate on the Jeep and he fell asleep. So I, I don't remember what else they were showing. It was Superman or something else. And so we just left after Superman. Mm. So did they have audio playing or was it just No, you pipe audio? it through your, um, like the radio station. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. Just like Anthony does <laughs> for his uh, Christmas light. Mm-hmm. All right. Camping. Are you a glamper? organized campground or hike miles into the woods and live off nature huh i've never been glamping Uh, me neither i i am more often it's been a really long time since i've been camping i am more often the organized campground thing um but i would prefer hike in it's just not very realistic for us it never has been the infrastructure needed to sustain children while camping way more than i ever thought yeah I would love to get there because I think that would be, I think after the kids stopped being annoyed with the process, they would end up really liking it. Mm. But there is definitely like a learning curve to figuring out how to just take a group of people, a group of kids, like a family like that, out and 
make sure you have everything you need with you and then make sure that they understand that it's not going to be like normal camping. It's not going to be like being in the house, you know, set the expectation. So you almost have to do it and be miserable a couple of times before mm. then you can go out and like everybody knows what to expect and it's going to be fun. I want to get there though. We used, my wife and I, before we had kids used to go to Switzerland all the time. We lived in Belgium, <clears throat> excuse me. And we did mostly organized camping, but it was, you would hike to the campground and then That's you would cool. kind of set up and then you could hike everywhere else from there because it was a very like well-established hiking routes everywhere. They had signs that if you went from point A to point B, just like straight street signs, but they were hiking signs. And the time frame someone told us was based on how long it would take a Swiss grandmother to hike there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. we would go to this one place in particular that was magical it's a place that rivendell is modeled after oh that's cool um so we would go there a lot but it was i, I still have like my ultralight tent i have a bunch of really really minimalistic very light hiking and pack and uh camping gear because we would go a lot hmm. and then we took our oldest son when he was a baby with us camping a couple times and then like i said it's it's infrastructure from that point on yeah. like there's no amount of like burrows that you could take with you to, to have all the amount of gear that you would need to accommodate like a family of five or six. And yeah. So it becomes like, and not, not that we're old by any means, but like, man, sleeping on the ground. If I don't have to sleep on the ground, I don't it, want to sleep on yeah, the ground. Yeah. It's really not as, yeah. <laughs> I always forget. Like we went and, and, uh, camped at the farm, I don't know, a couple months ago or something. And I have a pad. I've known that I had, I need to sleep on a pad of some sort. Uh, for years, and even with a pad, man, I woke up just like achy and crunchy, and yep. like, ugh. and um, yeah, that's a consideration for sure. One time we went um, <clears throat> with our friend Ryan, and it was just Jenny and I and Ryan for some reason, and I think we were meeting other people. We ended up like uh, mid October in I think it was North Carolina, I don't know somewhere. And I was like, it's not cold out here. It's like in the 50s. Like it's, During it's, the day? N- no, at night. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, it's it's not cold. So we had, you know, maybe 20 degree bags or something. And I'm like, well, we don't really need to have much. We have the bags. We just have a tent. And so we just threw the tent down, got in the bags. And the, the temperature did not get below 50, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember that number being like, no matter what, we're not going to freeze. We're going to be fine. That's yeah. 50 degrees. That was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life because we were on the ground. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no separation. It was just the bottom of the tent. We didn't put any, there was no chance of rain, so we didn't put anything down. Just put the tent down. And it was like the most miserable I've ever been. It was just to the bone cold. And so the next day, we immediately got up, all went to Walmart, and we bought a single blanket I don't know why we didn't buy more than that. We bought each bought a blanket, and then just put the blanket underneath our our um, our sleeping bags the next night. World of difference. Yep. It was so bizarre, and so because of that, it was like I'm buying a pad because it's yep. going to help my back and it's going to keep me off the ground just a little bit, and it will make every experience better yeah. than that one. The ground is a huge heat sink. Ugh, terrible. The coldest I'd ever been. I was. In the army, we went to the National Training Center, and it's a month-long, like, war games. And we stayed in this, about the size of this room-style circus tent with, like, 30 other pilots and crew members. And it was February in the Mojave Desert, and it was the coldest I'd ever been in my entire life. I hated everything about it. I hated it so much. Like, I disdained being cold in that place. It Like, it hurt so bad it was cold. Ugh. And then I had to go flying to where, like, the wind was whipping all through. So, like, everything about everything was cold. And I was just mad and grumpy the entire time. And then I was able to sneak, like, out with uh, our supply guy. Something happened where they needed to get a new, like, big computer monitor for the operations center. And so the supply guy was allowed to leave the, like, they call it the box. Like, the war games area. This is you are in some other country that they called it. And there's bad guys trying to kill you. We were able to, like... Okay, pause. The supply guy's allowed to go. So I'm like, yo, I'm going with you. <laughs> just for whatever reason, I'm just going to go with you. So this is the first time I ever had In-N-Out Burger. 
<laughs> so I was like day 20 something into these war games. And like, I would taken a shower in like a month. It was disgusting. And like, we went into Best Buy and like Barstow, California and bought a TV. And I came back in with like a little in and out burger hat, but I had bought a, a heated blanket. Cause mm. I thought I was the smartest person in the whole wide world. And I bought this heated blanket and I took it all back to the, this, this stupid tent thing. And then a helicopter crashed. So I had to go stay out at this helicopter overnight in the middle of the desert, which was even colder. But there was an AC power adapter. And so I could turn on one of these generators on this little small engine that I was allowed to turn on, plug into it. And when I plugged into it, it fried my blanket. Oh. And I was just like sad, <laughs> cold, and angry. <laughs> That's a bummer. Camping. But oh, yeah, camping. warm camping. It has to be warm where I'm not going. I would prefer it to be cool or cold as long as I'm prepared. Like I hate being in a tent when it's. 70 degrees oh yeah it's all muggy and gross that's so nasty but if it's cold and i got like a stuff to bundle up with and i'm off the ground right on like it sounds great to me cozy but they won't really get that here that often all right how much time because i i don't know yeah we're pretty late so let's go ahead and wrap it up um we'll save this last one because it's a pretty good one okay cool uh where can people find you uh mostly on instagram uh, josh underscore makes up i have a youtube channel that has videos from the before times so if you care to look there hooray I get a, a tiny little check from YouTube from this one video in particular. So go rack up views on that one video. So uh, <laughs> daddy can buy motorcycle parts. Uh, you can find all of us at I Like to Make Stuff on all the stuff. Big thanks to our um, Maker Alliance members like yep. we shouted out earlier. If you want to check that out, you can go to, it's right there on the screen, I like to make stuff.com slash join. There's a bunch of different things um, that go along with that. So go check it out if you want to. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.